Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to Wednesday on the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this August the 4th, 2021, 702 on your Wednesday morning here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And gosh, uh, you know, the world of sports just keeps on churning, and there are plenty of topics and discussions to get into today. As, uh, you know, the landscape of sports continues to change in many, many ways. And for someone who has been around as long as I have, and granted, I know that uh, there have been plenty that have been around a lot longer than I, but for someone who has been around and covering the sport as long as I have, there are just so many stark differences to, you know, it's the it's the common, you know, it's the it's the famous meme i guess of the you know the the flavor of the week meme it's you know how it began how it is now kind of thing and you remember back to what college football liked or looked like or what the nba looked like when you were young and you compare that today and it's just it's not even recognizable even and college football the college football landscape continues to be even more and more unrecognizable and it makes me wonder about where we're going to be 10 years from now as it pertains to does the NCAA even have a say in what college football teams are doing? What does the, what does the landscape look like as far as geographically and the power surge of these mega conferences or super conferences, if you will, whatever you want to call them, that are, that are happening? And is the trend good for college football, for college athletics? You know, specifically football, because obviously that's the breadwinner. That's the crown jewel of college athletics. But it, it affects other sports as well. And we certainly have some conversation uh, to be discussed on that as far as men's and women's basketball and, of course, all the other sports on campus. But we're going to talk specifically about football because, let's face it, that's the one that everyone can kind of relate to uh, because everyone is well aware of the elephant in the room, which is college football. It is the money driver for many, many of these universities. And even if it isn't, for, let's say, you know, for, for those of us here in the Pac-12, even if football isn't the focal point for revenue for a university, for the universities that do have football as its focal point, as its breadwinner, as its moneymaker, those are the ones that are changing the landscape. Stanford is not trying to change the landscape of college football. Okay, Stanford, of course, gets plenty of money and revenue from everything else happening on their campus, not stick and ball related. But for places like Auburn, okay, let's say, or Georgia, and, and I'm not saying that they aren't fine institutions of learning, but let's face it, the big money for those universities coming in through the athletics program, specifically football, Texas, Oklahoma being another set of those types of schools. And they are the ones driving the change. So 
either we here in the Pac-12 and these these other institutions who have been celebrating having a college football team, but not necessarily counting on them to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars, those institutions are now going to be forced to get on board, essentially. You're going to have to get with the times. So how do they do that? Well, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov met yesterday. Uh, they had a meeting, and it was confirmed that the uh, that the meeting was had. And they met yesterday to, to discuss that very thing. The Big 12 is in big trouble. And I mean big trouble. With the news of Texas and Oklahoma leaving and the rumors that West Virginia has already been in discussion with the ACC about joining that conference, going back to the East Coast and joining them. I mean, regionally it makes sense, right? West Virginia right there in the heart of ACC country. So it makes sense. That would leave the Big 12 with seven very undesirable commodities. In the, in the grand scheme of things, those seven universities are undesirable to most uh, of the other conferences out there. So I'm sure that a discussion – look, I'm not going to fault George Klyavkov for meeting with Bob Bowlesby. George Klyavkov, brand new to the – of course – to the world of college football as it pertains to being in charge of college athletics as the one month, just a little over one month in the seat of, uh, of being in charge of the Pac-12. I'm sure that Bob Bowlesby, as, uh, as wise as he is and as long as he's been around, saw an opportunity to seize the moment and discuss some things with a brand new uh, you know, commissioner, brand new conference commissioner. Now, I don't know what those discussions were. Obviously, it's stuff that's being kept hush-hush. You cannot just let that stuff out of the bag. We all know. Uh, I mean, based on – look, Bob Bowlesby knows a lot of people. He's been around for a long time. He's been involved. He's had his hands in a lot of things. He's been the chairman of many of the discuss- discussions that have been going on in college football over the last decade. For him to never even sniff – never even get a whiff, a hint, that his two charter schools, essentially the, 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 uh, the, you know, the biggest athletic draws in his conference, were speaking with another conference, just goes to show you how easily it is to keep things hush-hush. And in this day and age of information, there are still ways to get around and, uh, and not have that information leak out, which is amazing to me that nobody in, in the conference knew for six months that Oklahoma and Texas were discussing this with the SEC. It's shocking to me. But time and time again, I continue to hear people bang that drum for the 20-team super conference, the merger between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And I will vehemently stand upon my soapbox, bang the drum, and scream a, an emphatic, absolutely not. No way in hell. I, I don't see any way that that benefits the Pac-12 other than just being reactive. And in this day and age, if you're, tr- if you're, if you're trying to build a business by being reactive, you are not going to be in business very long. You're going to get swallowed up. You're going to be swallowed up quick. So I hope that for the sake of, 
of the Pac-12 for the sake of college football and for the sake of my sanity, to be honest with you, that there were better discussions had yesterday between the two commissioners besides how do we merge our two conferences together because that would be a mistake on the Pac-12's part. The Pac-12 is in a power, a position of power. For once in their lives, they are in a distinct position of power as it pertains to dealing with and talking with the Big 12 Conference. Now, maybe this conversation has happened because the Big 10 has already rejected a meeting, and Kevin Warren, also a brand-new conference commissioner, been in, been in that position for less than 18 months, and those of us who follow the sport closely can probably agree that Kevin Warren might be in a little over his head. Like, he is not handling the situation well, not at all. Things have been very, um, how do we say, unstable from the commissioner's office in the Big Ten. So, it's, I mean, there's, there's a possibility that, that the Pac-12 was just given the Heisman from the Big Ten and said, uh, you know, we're going to go, we're going to do our own thing. We've got our own super conference already. We don't need you. And I'm not talking about integration. I'm not talking about the two conferences merging. But as I've said before, and as I said from day one, once we realized that Texas and Oklahoma were, in fact, going to the SEC, my first inclination was the Pac-12 has to do something or they're going to get freight trained in this whole situation because we're going to get stuck here. And now George Klyovkov looks at it as, a, as, as, an, as an advantage. He says it's a good thing that we're the only, uh, that the Pac-12 is the only market or the, the only product here on the West Coast. I think that it's, it's much worse outlook than that. To me, it feels like the, the Pac-12 is out on their little island out there on the West Coast and everybody else will focus on everything east of the Rocky Mountains when it pertains to college football, and the Pac-12 is just kind of off on their own, doing their own thing. And if by some chance they do have some team that makes some noise, Oregon, Washington, whatever have you, um, then we may take a look at them and say, oh, look, they did play a pretty good schedule this year. Maybe they deserve to be in the playoff. Let's put them at number four against Alabama and then have them get beat by six touchdowns, and there you go. And then they all say, well, see, we gave the Pac-12 their shot. They're, they're once-in-a-decade shot at a, at a championship, and they blew it. So go back to your island. Go back to competing against one another and trying to, you know, exchange your research facilities, latest news and, uh, and, and inventions and things, discoveries, and we'll just continue to play football over here. So the Pac-12 has to be proactive in this. And I like that George Klyovkov is meeting with people like Bob Bowlesby, people who have a lot of experience, of course, commissioners of other Power Five conferences or what was once a Power Five conference, soon to not be. And it's good for him to get that kind of experience. I just hope that he's not being taken advantage of in the situation because of a lack of experience. Because, look, I think the sentiment is – Similar out here on the West, I, I don't, I can't, you know, speak for everybody, obviously, but I, just based on people that I've talked to, and comments that I've read, and things like that on whatever it be on Twitter or on certain uh, websites and things like that on stories where people can comment on, you know, places like the Athletic, which just ends up turning into what we've seen more of. Again, 
the country is so divisive right now. It's ridiculous. The first comment on any on any post, whether it be Twitter or on the article itself, the first comment is usually some kind of a politically driven, uh, divisive comment, and then everyone that comments underneath there is just name calling, and it's 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 basically what the society has become today. And I'm really getting sick and tired of, it, to be honest with you. Nobody has an honest opinion about anything. They just choose a side and stand with, you know, whatever documents and whatever, you know, whatever beliefs are beholden to that side of the fence. Nobody has a real opinion anymore, it doesn't seem like. But out here on the West Coast, I, I feel like the general response from the fans and football fans alike here, Pac-12 fans, believe that integration integration with the Big 12 would be a bad idea. And I think they're starting to understand why it would be a bad idea. And I I can only hope that George Klyavkov is looking at this and saying, look, it's not really going to work for us unless they can unless they can work out a deal and I don't see it because there aren't any networks out there that have the money or that would be willing to spend the money to make it worth the Pac-12's while to merge with the Big 12. But if they were to secure a contract, let's say with CBS, whose game of the week contract is expiring with the SEC in three years, which is why ESPN is, is starting to pick up all these assets. You know, it, I, I, maybe a, a CBS contract would be lucrative, but the Pac-12 can go out and secure that contract on their own. They don't need to go to CBS you know, headquarters and say, look, if you didn't want us before, now we've got Kansas and Kansas State. We've got TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech. we got three Texas schools. And don't forget about Oklahoma State. And, oh, my gosh, how could we forget about Iowa State? All those eyeballs in Ames, Iowa. All those farmers out there in Ames going to be watching football on Saturdays and making you guys all kinds of money. CBS would be like, wait, what, Marcus, did you say again? Stillwater, Ames, Manhattan, not Manhattan, New York, Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple. Waco, Texas? Hmm. Lubbock, Texas? No, no thanks. We'll pass. Oh, wait, but Kansas has a really good basketball team. Oh, never mind. We have basketball rights through 2032 anyway, so forget about that. We don't, we don't need them for football and their 0-12 schedule every single year. So, again, you, have to, you would have to find a great dancing partner. If you are able to, if you want to merge, you'd have to find some network that wants to put up a ton of money. Now, there's other thoughts out there that big tech would be the direction that a, a merged conference, you know, two conferences would want to go. Maybe they go to... Facebook, or they go to, you know, what, you know, whomever, Amazon, whatever, okay? They go to big tech who have been trying to get in the sports world, the broadcasting world forever. We just saw it here in Tucson, right, with Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports has been trying to break into live sports broadcasting for years and have had the door slammed in their face by every network and every possibility. But lo and behold, here comes the Arizona Bowl saying, we need a new sponsor, and Barstool Sports says, we'll sponsor you, and then we're going to put it on our network and our network being all of our socials and things like that, we're going to have closed-circuit ability to watch you know, via our websites and our socials. And Barstool Sports is happy. They're breaking into the live sports production 
you know realm. They're they're breaking into to you know to that area of of business. So maybe let's say you go to let's just say you shoot you shoot the for the moon right. George Klyavkov, Bob Bowlesby say we're going to put these twenty teams together. We're going to make this super conference. The you know the Big Southwest or whatever the hell you want to call it. And we're going to go to Jeff Bezos at Amazon and say, Mr. Bezos, we have this super conference, and we would like to put together essentially like a, you know, like a mini NFL type of schedule with these 20 teams, and you guys can have exclusive rights on Amazon Prime Video. You can stream it on your websites. You can even, you know, if you acquire a network, you know, let's say like um, on DirecTV, the Amazon, let's say Amazon Network comes out. I mean, maybe something exists. I don't know. I don't watch enough TV, to be honest with you. The only TV I watch is sports. So I don't really go flipping through the channels a whole lot. I have my 11 channels that I have programmed that I watch all the time, basically, and they don't really deviate much from that unless I want to watch some Guy Fieri. So maybe Amazon says, okay, we're going we're gonna to open up a new network with DirecTV, blah, 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 blah. Does that still make enough money? Is is Amazon going to jump into that with the type of money that ESPN and other you know big networks um, ha- have jumped into with places like the SEC and the Big Ten? I don't see it. I don't think Amazon says, "Man, this is an amazing deal. Let's go ahead and sign this um, for eight years and four billion dollars. Let's do it." There's no chance. That's not going to happen. You know why? Because the product isn't as good. So improvement starts from within, right? Have you ever been coached by anybody? Improvement starts from within. Improvement starts today. You start improving yourself from within. You have the desire inside you. You get the whole speech and everything, right? Every, Every athlete has heard that from a coach. Improvement starts from within. You have to strengthen the product. Now, going back to our discussions yesterday and Monday, being more a little more myopic in this discussion, looking specifically at Arizona football, the product is improving. We haven't seen them on the field, but the recruiting numbers are going up, right? And in college football, in college basketball, if you can recruit, if you can recruit top-tier talent, you're going to see that play out on the field. It's, it's going to result in victories one way or another. If you recruit well, you're going to do well because you can't win with bad players. It just doesn't happen. So the improvement has to start within. within. USC has to continue to get better, and they have been. And they've stuck by Clay Helton, and I didn't think they should, but he's done an admirable job there. I still think he's in over his head. I don't think he's a great coach, but he's done well enough to continue to let USC carry that flag. Oregon obviously pulling their weight, even though, in my opinion, Mario Cristobal is the worst sideline coach in the league. But, you know, everybody learns, learning on the job. Washington has done a, a, a fairly good job. Losing Chris Peterson unexpectedly was a problem for them. But they appear to be still continuing to recruit well and perform well. And they've got a really easy schedule this year. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. But some of the other members' schools, you know, UCLA needs to start Carrying that flag, you got Chip Kelly. They paid him a zillion dollars to be their head coach. Really hasn't performed well. Hasn't turned into wins. Hasn't turned into big time television, uh, you know, attraction. Stanford was good, but nobody watches Stanford football. Okay, Washington State, Oregon State, 
not really moving the needle even when they are good. So it's it's time for the conference to improve from within. The money that they need to be spending is on the teams in the conference. Now, things are helping, okay, uh, obviously with the men's basketball tournament, the, the, with the – uh, with March Madness this year, the Pac-12 doing so well, it earned the Pac-12 a little bit more money to spread uh, spread around, which was nice. A few extra $100,000 for each team was good. But it needs to be better. And you can't just get better by thinning the, the, the revenue stream, adding eight teams that aren't going to bring the eyeballs and bring the contracts that move the needles to increase your revenue. All you're doing is you're suffocating your other 12-member schools that have been a part of this conference for, you know, well, Utah and Colorado, you know, new. But as far as, you know, the Arizona schools, of course, joining in 74, uh, you know, they've been around long enough. They've, they've paid their dues. And they don't deserve to have their revenue streams cut because you wanted to have a knee-jerk reaction and bring over eight schools that aren't going to pull their weight. Let's just be honest. Let's, let's let's say it like it is. Those eight schools would not pull enough of their own weight to make it worth the Pac-12's while. Unless they can bring some type of media deal that is so sweet that even I would find it unbelievable. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. We've only got a few more days left to, for your chance to win that $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Go to ESPNTucson.com. You can register there. Just click through the links and uh, get yourself onto that uh, registration, your chance to win. Uh, you can re- register once per day through August 9th. So you still got a few more days left of registration and try to win that $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Coming up after the break, day two of NBA free agency. Just how old are the Lakers going to be next season? And a re-signing for the Suns, and we'll break down kind of what's left under the salary cap or around the salary cap and what's required of the Phoenix Suns to round out their roster. All that and more coming up next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the Suns have decided to re-sign Abdul Nader, their uh, their three four you know kind of combo guy. Uh, they signed him to do a two year four point two million dollar deal in what I believe to be a good signing for the Suns. I mean, when we were talking about uh, talking about the, the, the players that the Suns could potentially be looking at to round out their roster, I neglected to even mention. Abdel Nader, whom they had bird rights over, which is great because it can allow the Phoenix Suns to exceed the salary cap without having to take any other cap exceptions like the mid-level exception, uh, you know, and, you know, the other, you know, the biannual exception or use a veteran's minimum on them. So two years, $4.2 million to re-sign Abdel Nader, 27 years old. Uh, he was acquired along with Chris Paul, of course, in the, uh, in the trade from OKC. 6'7", 220-pound shooter, uh, shot 42% this year on threes. Uh, and, and a, look, a good guy. He, he can get to the basket. He plays hard. And I think, you know, when, when he went, when he got hurt, that's when they had to acquire Torrey Craig from Milwaukee, right? So they went out and got Torrey Craig when Nader got hurt. 
Uh, Nader was able to come back, but I think Torrey Craig had kind of taken his minutes at, at that time because he had just been there and been performing. But um, I like the, the, the re-signing of Abdel Nader. And look, now that gives them a pretty good uh, – we, we get a, really get a good look at what their lineup is going to look like, okay? Starting five are going to be, of course, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Those, there's your backcourt. Okay, you got Mikel at the three, Mikel Bridges at the three. Okay, you'll have Jake Crowder at the four, DeAndre Ayton at the five. So there's your there's your starting five. Okay, your reserves now, your backup five, JaVale McGee, who they just signed to a, a, a deal. Cameron Payne going to be your backup point guard. Your backup two is Landry Shamit. Okay, you've also got Jalen Smith and Cam Johnson, and I love Cam Johnson's jump shot. I'd love to have him on this team. Uh, so you got Cam Johnson and, and uh, Jalen Smith still on the team here. Um, I know they have a, a team option on uh, on Jalen Smith. We'll see if they exercise that option or not. But he's still under contract technically. Now they're going to probably lose Frank Kaminsky. He's an undrafted free agent or uh, uh, unrestricted undrafted you, un- unrestricted free agent. They do not have Bird's rights over Kaminsky because of the deal that he had previously signed. So I would look for him to probably go somewhere else, which is fine. You know, they, they, there are other players out there that they can bring in. Um, and then they just need to sign probably one more wing player, and I think they're going to be good. So a backup, a backup big, another backup big, and another wing, and that gives you your 12. Now, when you're looking at the Phoenix Suns, you know, somebody had called me out on Twitter yesterday saying, that they, well, they, messaged, they didn't call me out on Twitter. They messaged me in a very kind way. Thank you for that. Um, that the Suns are not under the salary cap, as I had mentioned. When I'm, when I'm saying the salary look, one NBA team right now is under the salary cap, and they're under the salary cap by $96,000, okay? If everybody spends over the cap, the money, the, the terminology that I'm needing to get into the flow of is the luxury tax threshold, okay? Suns right now are about $12.5 million under the luxury tax threshold, Okay. They're over the cap by about $12 million and about $12 million under the luxury tax threshold. The Suns do not have the ability, as it stands right now, to even sign enough deals to go over the luxury tax threshold. I mean, like Golden State just went over it by like $60 million when they signed Steph yesterday. I mean, like ridiculous amount. They're like $210 million uh, cap, cap number this uh, upcoming season, which is insane. Um, but the the money left over from the JaVale McGee contract gives them about $4.5 million left of their mid-level exception, okay? You can give that to, to somebody. Uh, they have the biannual exception, which is a could be a two-year deal worth three and a half or so a year. Um, and then you have veterans minimums, which pay anywhere from $1.5 to $3 million, and those are one-year deals. So the Suns, depending, I mean, based on – essentially the three players that they need to sign to finish their roster. Okay, they got they got to they got to sign three more players to finish their roster and they're done. They can't even spend enough to go over the luxury tax threshold. As I mentioned yesterday, <laughs> if they spend all of their exception money and they do one more veterans minimum, they will be about 750,000 under the luxury tax threshold. I said salary cap yesterday. I meant luxury tax threshold. Thank you for pointing that out. But if they give, let's say they, they spend about $9.5 million, okay, that puts them about $2.4 million under the luxury tax threshold, which is in a good place to be. That's, you know, you, you, don't, you don't mind being there. 
and they'll be fine. So that's how that's where the Suns are monetarily. Yes, I know a lot of people are like, they're way over the salary cap. Everybody is. I think Charlotte's the only team under. I think it was Charlotte. And literally, it's like $90,000, which is like 14 cents in the terms of NBA salary cap money. Okay, They're like $90,000 under the salary cap. Every team is over. The Suns, in fact, I believe have the eighth, the eighth lowest uh, uh, as far as like the amount of money being spent this year on contracts. I think they're eighth lowest in the league. They're fine, okay? They've got money to re-sign DeAndre. They've got money to re-sign Mikel Bridges. And in two years, they'll have money to re-sign Devin Booker and Cam Johnson, okay? Shamit is on a one-year deal. JaVale McGee is on a one-year deal. And other people, look, okay, there have been people also asking about um, the, 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 Chris Paul, uh, the Chris Paul contract, okay? I have clarification on that. John Gambadoro from uh, KTR up in Phoenix I kind of broke it all down yesterday. Basically, the way it works, I'll just do this quickly here, that Chris Paul's contract is $15 million of it is a partial guarantee for for the third year, okay? So he plays two years. If he plays two years, okay, he gets $30 million for year one. That's next year, $30 million for year two. He's going to play those years unless something horrible happens, okay? If he plays those two years, he's going to get $75 million because there's a 50% guarantee on the third year. If he plays that third year, then that kicks in for the full guarantee. He'll get $90 million, okay? If he doesn't play the full third year, the Suns are out $75 million, okay? And they, they, pay, they pay him $75 million, and the, the other $15 million is protected. And then in the fourth year, if he plays, he gets the full $30 million for playing. If he doesn't play, then he only gets $15 million guaranteed. So there are protections in place for the Suns should Chris Paul not play. So this contract could be worth anywhere between $75 million and the full $120 million. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh, it's way too much money. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Suns aren't stupid, okay? They, they didn't go into this just being like, hey, let's just throw some money at this guy. They gave him smart money because nobody else was really interested. They gave him smart money. They allowed him to essentially choose his future. If he wants to continue to play, he wants to gut it out and he stays healthy and he plays all four years, he's going to earn that $120 million. If he plays three years, he's going to earn $90 million. If he plays two years, he's going to earn $75 million. And there you go. I mean, that's, that's where they can part ways at that point, depending on how long he wants to play for. And I think the Suns are happy with him playing for as long as he wants to because they have now a good backup uh, in, in Cameron Payne for the next three seasons and they can figure out, you know, maybe that fourth season when it, when it comes. So it's going to be okay for the Phoenix Suns if people are worried monetarily. Again, it's not your money. I don't know why you care, but there you go. <laughs> because we care about other people's money here in the United States, right? All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. Uh, DeMar DeRozan to Chicago. Interesting pick there. There's a sign-and-trade with the, with the Spurs. The Utah Jazz signed Rudy Gay to a uh, free agent contract, which is going to be helpful for them in the West, which is going to make them a little more difficult to get through uh, for the Suns in the West. And Steph Curry doesn't break the bank, he becomes the bank. Next, on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Yo, Steph Curry. 
like unexpectedly. I mean, I mean, we kind of knew that he was going to be getting extension at some point as one of the greatest shooters in the history of the game of basketball. But my God, the Golden State Warriors, I mean, maybe quite literally backed up the Brinks truck to Steph's house yesterday with a four-year, $215 million contract extension. Curry, who is now 33, becomes the first player in sports history, I believe in sports history, certainly in NBA history, to sign two contracts which are each worth more than $200 million. Maybe A-Rod... Maybe A-Rod signed two years, uh, two deals in baseball. I'll have to look into that. I didn't look into it that closely, but it doesn't sound right to me. Anyway, he's going to earn $59.6 million in the final year of the deal, which is the 25-26 season, when he will be 38, 39. He was eligible to hit free agency after the season. He was going into the season as a lame duck. Uh, so I guess it was necessary to get him locked up. Twelve seasons with the Warriors, of course, plenty of championships, three of them, five straight finals appearances between 2015 and 2019. Uh, I mean, a, a litany of awards and accolades, and, uh, of course, for Steph Curry. But, man, oh, man, he <laughs> did he become one of the richest players in sports history right there, not to mention all the other things that are going on in his life with his uh, endorsements and whatnot. Just an absolute mega deal, mega, mega deal for uh, for Steph, about $53 million a year on average. Wow. Wow. Um, also, want to thank uh, our, you know, our very own Justin Spears and uh, also uh, Bruce Pascoe for pointing this out. They wanted to point out some of the former Wildcats who are on NBA Summer League rosters, including Foggy, Cal Fogg. Former Wildcat, of course, very beloved here in uh, in the city of Tucson. Uh, signed a two-year contract worth, uh, worth nearly $2 million to play in China a few years ago. Of course, was in the, the basketball tournament, TBT, which was wrapped up yesterday, which was exciting to watch. Um, but uh, he's going um, to be an NBA Summer League this year. Also, Kobe Simmons with the Trailblazers Summer League team. Justin Simon is with the Phoenix Suns uh, Summer League team. As well, Josh Green, of course, with the uh, with the Mavericks. Zeke Naji going to be with the Nuggets in their summer league, and uh, Nico Mannion, when he returns from Tokyo, will be with the Warriors. So, plenty of former Wildcats going to be playing in the summer league, including some guys looking to make uh, make some rosters. And we wish them all the best, especially Foggy, such a good guy. We'll try to get Foggy on the phone. Better get him in here for another week. Coming up in hour number two, plenty of NFL to talk with you and some college football, Arizona's football schedule. We'll have an Olympics update and how the NCAA's gender equity report turned out for them. All that and a whole lot more still coming up in hour number two. Come on back for the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.